Right, fellow Liverpoolians, and welcome to the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Once again, I'm your presenter, Les Lawson, and as usual, I'm joined by Tommy Keegan and Pete Warburton. Today, we look back at yesterday's game against Arsenal and preview the game a week today against Leeds United. So, without further ado, I'll go over to Pete and ask him what he thought about... Um, the team that, that Jürgen started with against Arsenal yesterday? I thought it was a very a very good side that he picked at the start. Um, I didn't expect Thiago to come in straight away. Um, but looking on, you know, looking on paper, I thought it was... I, I thought maybe Nunes may have got a start, but whether he had a niggle or something, I don't know. But it, it looked a very good side. Um it's just that Arsenal really came out of the traps quick and they've been doing that all season, in fairness. They've been really hitting the ground running and in the first, well, up to half an hour, but certainly the first 10 minutes, they sort of, I think Gakpo had a shot early doors that went over the bar that was never going to trouble the keeper. Um, and then they, they took the lead on eight minutes. But I thought our side looked quite well balanced. And I noticed, even early on in the game, I noticed how, how Trent was coming more into midfield. He was vacating the right-back position and Canate was shuffling across. And it looked it, it looked good, but Arsenal were really on it from the first minute, to be honest. Um, and as I say, it was a scruffy goal, the first goal. Um, you know, Robbo slipped over and that let Saka just come into acres of space. And then Odegaard threaded it through and, and um, Virgil tried to clear it and just played it into the path. Martinelli and, and as I say they were one up and then after that you, you were sort of wondering is this going to be another second half performance at Manchester City where we were hanging on uh, but in fairness to the lads they dug in deep and the second goal was a was a, a bit of a killer as well but we really came back well and I was really proud of the performance yesterday by the lads the substitutions when they did arrive actually made us go on to another another play and I thought Thiago just came on and did what he did, little cute passes, controlling the ball. And Nunes, we call him Captain Chaos. He just comes on and causes murder wherever he is. And he was actually taking the game, running at the at the Arsenal defence, which they weren't happy with, you know. Uh, and by the end of the game, it was almost like a disappointment to, to not come out with three points. Tom, what did you reckon? Did you, were, you su- were you surprised that, that he went with you know, Fabinho starting for the, for the third game running? Henderson starting for the third game running and Curtis Jones keeping his place. Was that was that a shock to you that, that that midfield basically was unchanged from the game against Chelsea? And you know, the likes of Henderson and Fab were, were asked to play the third game within a week. No, not really, Les. I thought I think when you look at what we've got available uh, to pick from, and I thought Curtis Jones had done reasonably well. Against uh, against Chelsea, so I thought he deserved to start, as we as we alluded to at, at the last pod. I think when when you look back at the start, I, I, I think we we started a bit slowly and a bit sluggish. I thought I, I thought at times we 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 look a bit like unsure of ourselves and, and lacking in and, and whether the confidence where it is, we, whether we are lacking in confidence. But usually at Anfield we, we start a bit quicker, but I think Arsenal really got at us in the first five or ten minutes. They really they really put us you know like put us under a lot of pressure. I think like Peter said, 
the first goal was 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 it was a catalogue of errors, wasn't it? Really, there was about there was about three ping pongs. Robbo slipped, and then it was a miss kick, and then it pinged off Virgil away onto Martinelli. And you you've got to give the lad credit; he took his goal well down down the cop end. And I thought overall, I thought well, you know, now this will wake us up a little bit. But the second goal was the strangest one for me. We we were so asleep for the second goal. I think that was the most disappointing thing at the ease at which the, you know, it, it went down the right-hand side. He come across and the cross come across. There was nobody picking up and he had a, more or less a free header into the net, which I think that was more disappointing. I think the key then was like, I, I was disappointed in Arsenal because... I see similarities in Arsenal in, in how we started off with the two wide men. I don't think they're as prolific. I don't think they're as prolific at, at scoring Martinelli and, and Saka as a young Salah and a young a young Mane were. So I think they're a little bit off where, but I think they're dangerous and they're very quick. I don't like the way they hit the floor constantly. I didn't like. I wasn't very impressed with that. And I was disappointed in the way our midfield slowed the game right down. And I think that's one of the things you get with Fabinho. He slows the game down. Likewise with Curtis Jones, who plays safe. So I think overall, the first half, I think getting the goal back at half just before half-time, and I think Trent and, and, and Zaka, I think that, that really ignited the crowd. And I think at that point, I think everybody has had enough was enough. And I felt I felt that Liverpool then sort of started to play from then. And by the, I will, I will talk later about the penalty and miss and I think in, in a bit. But I think overall, by the end of the game, you know, Bobby come on and got the equaliser. How we never won that game, um, I, I was amazed to be honest. And how we never won it by a couple of clear goals. It was a it was a, sh- a bit of a shock for me, Tom. I I, I agree with both of you. I think I totally agree with what you said there with the 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 incident that sort of woke everybody up and got the team going and got the crowd going was the the clash between Trent and Shaka. I think when that happened, you know, as you said, everybody thought enough was enough, and all of a sudden, everybody was up and at it. You know, there was there was tackles going in Liverpool, winning tackles, and all of a sudden. You know, the intensity appeared. You know, we needed that we needed that goal just before half time to to give us a lift and to believe to get the belief back really that we could get back in the game. Um and that's what the goal did. I thought it was really good play by Curtis Jones. I thought that, you know, the back heel to put Jotter in for the cross and then, you know, Henderson, I think, you know, we got a little bit of lucky, I think, with Henderson's touch, because I think he was trying to to put that on target, and it actually he actually stressed and he couldn't get there, and luckily for us he went to salary and he finished it nicely, and then we come out in the second half and we just continued to pin them back. They just had, you know, a couple of you know things on the break that that nearly went their way that could have sort of finished us off, but they never quite got that ball right, and they they had a chance from a corner. I think there was a header from Gabriel that. That went right into to Allison's arms, but apart from that, you know we totally controlled the the second half, 
and it was it was much more like the Liverpool we'd come to 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 know and expect and love over the past you know four or five years under Jurgen. As you say, we were lucky, unlucky, sorry, not to win the game. How we didn't win the game, I don't know. There was there was the chance that that Nunes had when he was one on one that he you know the keeper made a good save, but I don't think Nunes should have given him the, the opportunity to make that save. The keeper made, I think, one of the best saves I've seen for many a year from Salah. I was right behind that where I sit in the cop and that was in all the way, you know, as soon as it left his foot. And how the keeper got there and, and pushed it round, I don't know. I used to think at Ramsdale when he was at, you know, at Bournemouth, I used to think that he was one of the worst goalkeepers I'd seen, you know, in the Premier League. I thought he was terrible. But I have to say, since he's since he's gone to Arsenal, you know, he's improved a lot and he's a, he's a much better goalkeeper than I thought he was. Um, but you know, and as I say, we'll we'll, we'll discuss the penalty in a minute. Um, but you know, and the chance at the end, I just I I just couldn't believe that that hadn't gone in. Um, you know, when Nunes headed that back and I seen Ibu going in to to, to try and finish it off. I was convinced that the ball was behind the line anyway. And I was just waiting for the referee to, you know, to signal that the ball had gone over the line. And I didn't really understand what had happened or how it hadn't gone in until I got home and seen it again on the telly and, and realised that Ibu had chested it and the keeper had made another good save when what Ibu needed to do was try and head it and lift it, put it in the air so the keeper wouldn't have had any chance. Whether Ibu felt he couldn't have got that type of contact, I don't know. But ultimately, it was one of those games where I think in the first 30 minutes or so until the Trent incident, you're thinking to yourself, we're 2-0 down here, we could be on onto a bit of a a bit of a beating here today. Then all of a sudden you come out the game at the end of the the 90 minutes and feel that you know you, you should have won the game. And I just hope that the Liverpool we've seen there in the second half is the Liverpool that we're going to see, you know, now for the rest of the season and with, you know, the expected additions in the summer, that then gives you confidence that we can, we can get back to, to challenging again on where we feel we should be next season with a, with fresher, younger legs in midfield. So, you know, I'll, I'll go, I'll go to Pete again now and just think that, you know, when the referee gave that penalty, were you confident that, that Mo was going to score um, after the penalty miss against against Bournemouth? And not forgetting, I think one of the last ones he'd taken before Bournemouth was one that basically, and when you when you sort of look at things throughout the season, he missed the penalty at Leicester. That ultimately, if he had scored that penalty. Liverpool would have probably won the league. So, just your views on that, please, Pete. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's a bit unfair to say if it had scored at Leicester, we'd have won the league. There's a lot of things happen <clears throat> over the course of a season. Um, I was confident, actually, yes, yeah, because he had missed at Bournemouth. And I thought, no, he's, he's going to go back to his tried and trusted. <laughs> the last couple of penalties, he's tried to place them. And you'd expect Mo to, he does this unusual run-up where he's, he's straight on with the ball and then he sidesteps and arcs into the ball. 
but he really puts his foot through it and he smashes it. And there's been occasions, he, I mean, like the European Cup final against Spurs, he just smashed it right down the middle. So, yeah, I was confident, actually, that he was going to score this. Um, but as I say, I think placements probably isn't the best policy if we get another penalty. I mean, if we got another penalty against Leeds at the weekend, I'd, I'd want most to take it. But, you know, he's he's got to get back on the bike. I don't know what he's doing, whether he's trying to be too precise with the penalties. I mean, the one at Bournemouth where he skied it, that was, I think that was a worse miss than the one yesterday, to be honest. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't know who else would have taken the penalty at the time if, if, if Mo had turned around and said, he must feel confidence in himself to step up and take the penalty. Um, if, if we get, you know, it'd be interesting to see if we get another one this season, if he'll, if he'll let somebody else take it. But um, I've always felt confident when Mo's taken penalties. I know he's missed a couple for Egypt as well, hasn't he? I think he's missed penalties for his national side. And it just comes with the territory. You know, there's there's penalty takers who, who you can hang your hat on, sort of Leticia. I don't think he missed one or he missed one in his whole career. And yet there are others. If the goalkeeper guesses the correct way and you just don't put enough on it, um, they're going to look the heroes on it. But yeah, it was... <clears throat> it, it was... I thought if we'd have scored that, it was about 54, 55 minutes. I thought if we'd have got that second goal then, I think we'd have crushed their Arsenal. I think we'd have battered them, to be honest. Um, and it was it sort of took the wind out of our sails for five or ten minutes, but we 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 looked a lot better, as I say, with Thiago running the midfield, and then even Bobby coming on late on. It, it, Arsenal must have cursed when they saw Bobby Firmino coming on the goals he scored against them over the years. So um, yeah, I mean, it, I'm I'm with you. Though. We came out the ground, just shaking our heads as how we never won that game, and you could see Arsenal at the end. They would they were there. Players were absolutely dead on the feet with the defending they'd done, and I think, I think they may be thinking, "Oh, that could be it now." Because you wonder. I know City had to play Arsenal, so that's going to be a massive game. But you just wonder. You can just see City winning every game from now till the end of the season, and um, you could see how deflated the Arsenal players were because that first forty minutes or so up until up until when when Jacker stirred the Hornets' nest, and we all sort of got off our seats and. The players really got in. I mean, there's some of the tackles Canate was putting in, crunching tackles, but they were fair tackles as well. Um, and you could see they were hanging on. They were really hanging on. And but for the keeper, like you've mentioned, it could have been a, a you know a procession really. But I think the penalty, if we'd have scored it when we got it, I think we'd have won by two or three clear goals. To be honest, we had that much going for us at the time. Tom, what do you reckon? Yeah. Do you think that going on from what Pete said there? You know, if 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 it was your decision, say, you know, would you keep Mo on the penalties? You know, because you know, if Fabinho's in the starting eleven, Fabinho had a a very good record of penalty taking at his his former club, and also, you know, I'll ask you the same question as I asked Pete. You know, were you confident in Mo, and are you generally confident in Mo when you you when you see him going up to take a penalty? Yeah, you've got to be confident in him, Les, because he, he's done it on so many big occasions, hasn't he? I think, you know, what, what's happened in the last two penalties, though, and I, I noticed Ramsdale done it as well, very similar to what happened when he missed the last penalty. Uh, uh, it was Bournemouth, was the last one, wasn't it? When he, he missed it, Bournemouth. 
where the keeper starts acting stupid, you know, and, and walking out into the middle of the pitch and and delaying the taking of the, of the penalty. And I think I think this time with Ramsdale, he was booked and, and forced to go back onto the line. And I, I think what when you've got that, you're over. You tend to overthink. I was confident he was going to bury it down the cop end. I thought mm, he's not going to miss this. But I think when when what what Peter said made a good. What I thought Peter made a good point. He tends to do the same thing, doesn't he? You know, he tends to put a lot of power in, and the keepers don't get near it. And the last two, he tried to blast it, but, but put it in the top corner, and he it got on, he went horribly wrong and. High wide man, some near kills somebody in the crowd, and this one, like again, he tried to he tried to put it in the bottom corner a piece, but ended up putting it a foot wide, you know. So yeah, I'd feel confident if he got the next penalty for him to take it. He, I think he's one of them players, isn't he? You could see the disappointments in his face when he missed it. God, you know, he didn't think he was going to miss it, but sometimes you. Sometimes you'd have to. What I, I, I was complaining about before about about you know Arsenal's horrible tactics. You know, I, I think sometimes you've got to give the the goalkeeper that little bit of credit there for getting winning the mind games with him. You know, but I'd always have no stepping up first to be honest. Agree with what Peter said about Canate. Thought Canate was absolutely immense. On 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 Sat on Sunday, best of seen him play, and again with with what you what you were saying, he was so unlucky. I like you down by where we were at the cup and thought it across the line, but when I seen him him turning away, and I only seen it later on that he he didn't get his head to it. I think had he got his head to it, 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 it would have been a goal. I don't think Ramsdale had made the save. It sort of come off his chest more than, and sort of bounced towards the Rams. I don't think that was such a great save, to be honest. I think he he got lucky there more than more more than anything else. So Van Dijk, after after about forty minutes, I thought he started to look a little bit more like himself. Agree with what we were saying about Trent coming in, and I thought Trent had a, fa- a fabulous game. I think from forty minutes on, I thought he was exceptional. You know, and um, overall, that the disappointment. But Mo, yeah, I haven't taken me penalties all day long, Les. I, I mean, I, I tend to agree with what Jan Mulby said once, and Jan Mulby said once there are penalty takers and there's people that take penalties, and I think what he meant by that was a penalty taker is somebody who specialises in taking penalties, a penalty, someone who takes penalties, if you like is the other way around. Somebody who doesn't specialise in takes penalties, but likes to take them. And I would say Michael Owen comes in the second category. And I would put I would put Mo a little bit in there as well. And I'm just speaking as, from my me, me own sort of point of view at the minute, in that I don't really feel confident when Mo's stepping up to take a penalty. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's the best penalty taker we've ever had. I think he's a, a 75, 80% penalty taker. And I just think at the at the top level, you need to have a penalty taker who's a a ninety eight percent pluser. And what I mean by that is, you know, I would look at a Jan Mulby and a Danny Murphy 
as two examples of people who, who, when they go up to take a penalty, you're really confident that they're going to score. And another name I'd throw in there as well is James Milner. Whenever I seen James Milner going up to take a pen, you know, I always, I was always extremely confident that Millie was going to score. And I remember, I can remember one game, and I can't remember it was against now, but Millie had just come on a sub, and we got a penalty, and he, I don't think he'd had to touch the ball. And we got the penalty, Millie picked up the ball and scored. And also, there was a game against, I think, against Leicester City at Anfield in the year we won the league, and Leicester had equalised near the end, and there was an injury time, and we got a penalty at the Annie Road end, and Millie stepped up to take it, and you never thought that he was going to miss, and he didn't. And I can only ever remember James Milner missing one penalty for Liverpool, and that was against Southampton when Fraser Forster saved it, and in the year that we finished fourth and we're going for the, the Champions League and the game that, that finished in a draw. But I I just, I if it was my decision, I would take more off penalties now. And if Fabinho's in the start in 11, I would give it to Fabinho. And if he isn't and Thiago is, I would give it to Thiago. Um, I just think Mo needs a break from taking penalties. As you pointed out there, Tom, as well, or I don't know whether it was you, Pete, one of you said that he'd also missed a couple for Egypt. He missed for Egypt in the in one of the penalty shootouts. Um, and I just think that following the, the miss that he had against, against Leicester just before the AFCON and then in missing you know, against Bournemouth and now, you know, uh, yesterday against Arsenal, I don't think his confidence is the highest, you know, for taking penalties anymore. And I would just, not saying he should never take them again, but sometimes you just need to give the player a break and just say, right, you know, you're not on penalties now for the rest of this season. We'll look at it again early next season, you know, in pre-season, see how, see how things go and then go from there. But for me, I'd just give, it a, give him a break now and just say, right, well, you're not going to win the Golden Boot this year. You, know, you have a break and just see just see if somebody else can come up and, and you know, and, and, and take the responsibility. And that's just my opinion. I agree with what you both said with regard to the performance of Canati. I thought he was immense. Tom, you're spot on. I agree again that after the first, you know, dodgy 30, 35 minutes, I thought from, from the Trent incident onwards, I thought Virgil was back to his best. I thought he was superb in the second half. And again, I just thought it was it was like watching Liverpool wave after wave of attack, then winning the ball back, you know, very, very early, which they hadn't seemed to do. I thought that they're moving Trent, you know, into that sort of advanced uh, sort of position in the middle of the field. He was winning a lot of a lot of balls, which was giving Henderson a bit more freedom. And I thought the the work Canate done to sort of cover for Trent when he was pushed up, was immense. And I'd just like to ask you, Tom, I think I'll come to you next. What did you think of the performances of Fabinho and Henderson? Both players have had a little bit of you know, flack recently from Liverpool supporters for the performances against Manchester City and Chelsea. So I just wondered what your opinion was of their, of their performance yesterday. Well, I thought Fabinho was, slowed the game down an awful lot. 
I, I think that's one of the problems. I don't know whether he whether he's lost it, he's lost that pace or what he's lost. Someone someone said something to me the other week. Someone said, you know, he's given every drop that he's got for Liverpool Football Club, Fabinho, and you wonder how much more he's got left at the well. Do you know what I mean? I think now, him, when he gets on the ball, he slows the game down. And I don't think that suits Liverpool. I think Liverpool are a far better team when, when we move the ball quicker. Do you know, I think, I, I think we look far more effective. We're more dangerous. We're, we're, we're tighter. We push harder. We work, we work with more intensity. But I, I think that's been a problem this season. We've, we've slowed the game down sometimes to an almost walking pace. And I, I, I don't think it suited us at all. Peter said it the other week, you know, like um, we look like Leonard Cohen or Mogadon. And there's a lot of suits to that, I think, from fast, our fast-flowing football. Henderson, on the other hand, yesterday, I thought, I thought played one of his better games. I thought, I thought he led yesterday. And... I think when we were having a discussion the other day, you said you 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 you'd let Henderson go and keep Milner, and and Peter and I said, well, we keep Henderson as the older player. I think that proved yesterday that there's still a player there in Henderson, and you know, like you might only get sixty minutes or seventy minutes out of a game from him, but when you get them sixty or seventy minutes. He, he offers quite a bit. I thought he played really well. I thought when Thiago come on, Les, I thought he speeded our midfield up. He moved the ball quicker, and I think I think that when we when we do bring the recruits in in the summer, I think I think we you will find that that's where our Liverpool will change the play. We'll be much quicker. We'll be much faster. We'll press between the lines faster. And I think we'll be. I think we will get back to our, ourselves. I think we'll we'll go back to it. But overall, slightly disappointed with Fabinho. But I, I thought Anderson was much better. Pete, what was your view? Um, pretty similar, to be honest. I think Anderson had, had one of his better games yesterday. He did play well, <clears throat> and it's been it's been there for a while with Fab, hasn't it? That he's he's just not looked the same Fabinho that we've had for the last two or three years. I think his contract runs to June twenty twenty six, so there's still a few years left on that. And you wonder now, you know, if Liverpool are, are going to try and refresh the midfield, would he be one of the casualties to leave? They might be able to get a bit of money for him now. I think he'd be a little bit more comfortable, if that's the right word, in a playing in in Italy or Spain or France, where it's a slower pace of football. Um, so this summer could be the summer that he may say to Fab, you know, a bit like Tommy said, he's, he's, he's got nothing left in the tank. And it was evident when we changed, when we made the substitutions on 60 minutes and Nunes and Thiago came on. I mean, Thiago's not going to run away with you with blistering pace, but he's so clever. There was a couple of times there, he just did a, a couple of little shimmies and two Arsenal players went out to buy a pie or something. He, he just sent them totally the wrong way. And then we're on the front foot again, and that has been our downfall this season. We have been too, we have been too slow to, as the the pundits call it, what did they call it? The um, when we were in possession back early on, 
we we were always a counter-attacking team. And these pundits say they're not quick enough in the transition. And I can understand where they are because we do win the possession back. And we, we just did it. And uh, did is probably not the right word, but we, we keep retain possession. But we, we, allow the, we allow the opposition to filter back and get into their shape. I think that's one of the reasons that Jürgen stuck with, um, with Jones yesterday because he does give you legs in the midfield. He does play it safe. He gets the ball and... He doesn't necessarily try and drive at people, but he'll try and keep possession. But at least he'll give you some legs in the middle of the park. But it's it's just sad to see how Fab's gone, really, from the last two or three years, where he'd break things down and then we just wave and wave of attack. And um, I don't know, I think maybe this summer's a big summer for, for Liverpool to decide, do we keep him or do we try and cash in and get some money for him? But I think he'd benefit from playing abroad, to be honest, now in a slower league. I totally agree with, with both of you to a certain point. I did think Henderson played better than he did against both Manchester City and Chelsea. One thing that disappointed me with Henderson yesterday was that he got into a lot of good positions down the right-hand side, especially in the second half. And I thought his final ball was poor a lot of the time where he could have you know, perhaps done a little bit better and created you know, a good chance for somebody who was in the middle. I agree again. With both year on Fabinho, I thought Fab was, was a little bit off the pace again yesterday. He just seems to have lost that that yard or a couple of yards of pace that, that sort of makes him, you know, made him into the player he was. And he was never blessed, you know, with the pace of, say, a Mascherano playing as a six. But he was just about quick enough. And if he's lost that yard, couple of yards, then, you know, that can affect how effective he is in that number six position playing for Liverpool. You know, Pete said there he's got a contract till 2026. And yet, if it was my decision, I would be having discussions to see if we could move him on this summer. But the problem I think we've got, he's probably on a decent contract now at Liverpool compared, compared to what he was, you know, when we first signed him. And I just wonder whether we'll have difficulty moving him on to a club that would give us, you know, a fee that we would think appropriate. And also from Fabinho's point of view, give him, you know, a, a contract where he's not going to lose out financially because the middle market in the in the transfer market seems to have gone. So you, if you if you're not going to sell him to a team in this country, and then you'd look to think, well, one where would he go to another Premier League club, and two, you know, which one of those Premier League clubs would you sell him to if they wanted him? And then you look abroad and you think, well, he's we got him from France, so the only possible club you could see who'd offer him anywhere decent wages or offer us a decent fee would be PSG. Would they want him? And then you you look at Italy. Italy on you know expressed with a lot of a lot of money to you know to to be able to sign players. And you look at you look at Spain, and you think to yourself, well. Barcelona look look as though they're out the equation because they're still in a financial mess. Real Madrid wouldn't want him because they've got a lot of young midfielders and you know they've still got the likes of Modric there as well. And that would lead leave Atletico Madrid. Would they be tempted to come in with a, a little bid? And that would be the only possible club that I could see him going to. So in a way. I think the decision could be taken out of Liverpool's hands. Liverpool might very much want to move Fabinho on. 
because you know they will have noticed the same as everybody else that his level has dropped. But moving him on might not be the easiest thing in the world, especially you know, if we want a fee, say, of around about 30 million. And unless you know, if the club did come in for him, Liverpool would agree, as they've, as they've done in the past, to pay part of his wages if he was to go. So that will be an interesting one during the summer. I would, I would try and sell, but ultimately, as I've just said, I think it could be out of his, of Liverpool's hands of what happened with Fabinho because of the, the amount of years he's got left on his contract. But this summer and possibly next summer is when his value is going to be at the highest. Um, so fingers crossed that you know either somebody comes in and offers us a, a decent fee for him and he'll be prepared to go, and if he does stay. You know, hopefully the addition of two or three midfielders who've got you know, pace around them and the fact that he won't be be playing you know, as regularly as he has been, you know, might give him a new lease of life as a midfielder. So we might see something like the Fabinho we know. Um, so I've got my fingers crossed on that one. Just before we move on from yesterday's game and before we touch on the incident at half-time that happened with Robbo and the liner. I just wondered, Tom, what your thought was on the performance of of the referee yesterday, um, Tierney? It was, I, thought, I thought he was all right yesterday, to be honest. I thought, a bit surprised he'd give us the pen, to be honest, but I, I, I didn't... I, usually, what you get from him is, is not very good at all. And, like, I thought he... I thought the bookings, I thought he was a bit what's it called with the with a couple of bookings there, to be honest. But o- overall, I didn't I, to be honest, I, I thought it was Upelez yesterday. So I didn't even know it was Terry, which has surprised me when you when you just said then. So for him, I suppose it was probably one of his better games where usually you're screaming at him because he, he's really officious. But I think he I think I think to be fair to him, he did try to let the game flow. Do you know where? And I think that type of game needed that. I thought, I thought he was a bit soft. Where you know when, when I think who was it? The, the centre back got it in the face with the ball, or headed the ball and laid laid down for four minutes. You know what I mean? But apart from that, I suppose he had to do that because of head injuries and. But overall, I, I thought he, he wasn't as bad as he normally was. He, he normally is. Pete, what did you think? Yeah, it wasn't his worst game. He's he's officiated for us, but there were times. <clears throat> there, there were time, I mean, Arsenal, Arsenal were going down at the drop of a hat. I mean, the shot that Rotho had in the first half that he he sort of pulled it wide in the Anfield Road end, and for some reason. Ramsdale went down clutching some parts of his anatomy. I don't know what he was supposed to have done. And he should have got on top of that. And like like Tommy says, once you start clutching the heads, you've got to stop the game because it could be a concussion injury. But there was another one there where Canati won the ball and Martinelli stooped to try and head it. But he, he made no contact. Martinelli's rolling around holding his head, so he, he breaks the game up again. And I thought he should have just got on top of that, but he did let a lot go. I mean, as I say, Canarsay, Ibu made a couple of crunching tackles. Now, other referees that have probably said, you, were, you you know, that's a free kick. Even though you've won the ball, you've been too heavy-handed. 
So he did try to let it, let it flow a bit. Um, but I think he, he just got hoodwinked a bit by some of the Arsenal tactics. And you can tell Arteta's been brought up under Pep because it's exactly the same thing City do. If they, if they come under pressure, they try and slow the game down. <clears throat> and that's what that's what teams do. I mean, I've seen Liverpool do it over the years where we slowed games down. But you just got to be a little bit more cute about the free kicks you're given. And he did let the play go on, but then he also he also gave some little pernickety free kicks for nothing, really, you know. But he's certainly not the worst game I've seen officiate. Um, but when you see the name, you see certain names, and he's one of them. When you see Tierney, he's gonna he's gonna ref it. You think, oh Christ, you know what what we're gonna get from him? And I was surprised we got the pen, but. I've seen the replay of it since, and he couldn't have not given it. To be honest, it was he, he cut right through Jota to try and win the ball, so it was a definite penalty. Yeah, I I didn't think it was his worst game I've ever seen him have, but I still thought he was very very poor. I just thought his general handling the game sort of was shocking. I just thought he let a lot of things go that he shouldn't have done. I get the fact that he wanted to try and keep the game moving, but some of the things he let go. We're just mind blowing, really. Um, I agree with what you said there about the the play acting. I thought some of it was was just awful, and he didn't really get on top of it. You know, it's difficult with the one that hit the defender. You know, in the box, in that, you know, nobody could really tell where it hit him. So, you know, if, if a defender goes down clutching his head, then he's got to stop the game. Ultimately, you know, he's a referee. I don't like. I think he's generally. A poor referee. You know, I've not forgiven him for his performance away at Tottenham last season when he should have sent Harry Kane off. He should have given Liverpool a penalty for a foul on Jota in the box. And then he sent Robbo off. So, yeah, it was just, to me, he's just a poor referee that I don't like. Um, but And I'm never happy when I see him referee in our games. But I've seen him have worse games, just let us put it that one. Now to the big talking point that not really a lot of us seen until or really knew what had happened until we got home from Anfield. So we'll come to you, Tom. What did you make at the incident of half time with the liner and, and Robbo? Uh, but you know what? The first the first I saw of it, Les, was when I was going back on the train. I was sitting looking at, at Twitter and um I, I, and I said to our mic, I'm flashing up and I'm, I'm watching it in slow motion. First of all, I see a little circle where you couldn't really see what happens. And then there was more, you know, proper, you know, like good footage. And my God, like, he, 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 he proper whacked him. You know, like, he's going to be in a lot of trouble. for the, it, what, I, what I said before, I think the, my, my only concern, I think it's a terrible thing he's done. He's going to get, he's obviously going to get banned. He could not be banned for doing for doing that. If you if you condone that, then you're gonna have linesmen doing whatever they want, aren't you? And referees next. You can't have a rule where you say if you touch a referee or you push a referee and you get banned for eight games, but a linesman can elbow a player in the face and we, we, we won't we're not gonna do nothing. So he's he's gonna face a harsh punishment. But what I what I said to Peter before we come on the podcast, my my concerns about that is, is it then it these these referees and and the and, and linesmen don't need any more 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 
idea to, to sort of punish Liverpool in certain ways. And I, I don't really want to see Robinson or Liverpool become the victim of referees turning the you know like the other the other the other way and giving us not giving us decisions because of what we we complained about alignsman. But personally, I think I think he'll be banned and and rightly so. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm uh, quoting the Arsenal Wenger. I did not see the incidents at half time. Like most people, the whistle wins and we all stand up and then start chatting about the the previous 45. And then one of the lads said, he just booed Robbo there on the way off. And I said, oh, I don't know, he must have said something. And a bit like Dom, I didn't see the incident until we got back to the pub for an after-match drink and one of the lads got it up on his phone. I just thought it was totally bizarre, to be honest. I mean, I've seen people on the uh, on the social media, obviously not Liverpool fans, saying, well, he... For all the all the linesmen knew, he could have been a fan running on the pitch to attack him. So we, you know, and stuff like this. And I, I just found it, just found it bizarre after watching it. I believe Robbo, the official line was Robbo was booked because he had a he he, he backchatted to Tierney over something. Now I don't know if if he'd had a go with the linesman over something. I don't know. He was going to speak to him over an incident. Um, but I just found it bizarre the way he he, he elbowed him and. Thank God it wasn't Harry Kane because he'd have been out for a month. Like the way he goes down, you know, Harry Kane gets gets his eyelashes plucked and and he's on the floor. Right, you know, at least Robbo had the had the sense to stay on his feet and not make too much of an issue of it. But I think he was more surprised than anyone, Robbo. I think he was just like gobsmacked to be honest. And an official could actually, you know, give him a forearm smash on the chin. But um, I but I, I believe that I believe he's been suspended. The linesman pending investigations, but. I'm sure they'll close ranks and say it was, um, you know, it, it wasn't intentional and this, that and the other. It'll be interesting to see, but I bet you Mr Mitrovic is looking at that thinking, well, you know, I got an eight-game ban just for touching the referee. And, you know, it, it, it's going to come back. I know it's going to come back and they're going to have a go at Robbo for actually touching the uh, we're touching an official. So, we, we, you know, we'll have to see. But I don't think, I think he's got to have a break from the game, this line. And, and he was also... You mentioned the Spurs game that Tierney didn't send Kane off. He was running the line in that game as well. I'm not sure if he was the linesman near the incident or he was on the other side of the pitch. But, but uh, they're getting to be a little bit of a bad habit, habit these two. He's not given us decisions we should get, you know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in all the time I've been going to watch Liverpool, which is a lot of years now, you know, I've never, ever seen anything like that before. You know what I mean? I didn't pick up on it while I was there. You know, I only seen it when I when I got home, and you know, they, they showed it on on the the source of the somebody on Sky Sports, and what the hell's gone on there? So yeah, it will be interesting to see what they what what happens. You know, they will probably close ranks, but you know, at least they've suspended the linesman now while the investigation takes place, and it will be interesting to see what what the outcome of that is, and you know, whether the liner will get a similar sort of length ban to what Mitrovic got. Anyway, just one last thing I'd like to say before before we move on and, and preview the Leeds game. Um, I'd just like to praise the Arsenal fans who were at Anfield yesterday for the impeccable way they observed the, the minute silence and tribute to the 97. I thought it was absolutely magnificent. You could have heard the pin drop. And you know, and there was no there was no song sung by them with regard to mocking 
the other disaster or any other disaster. And I thought it was a nice, refreshing change to what we've witnessed recently. And also a word for Mikel Arteta and the Arsenal coaching staff who all wore 97 badges on the on the tracksuits. I thought that was a magnificent gesture. And again, you know, one that sort of gives you hope that, you know, there are there are decent football fans from other clubs who understand, you know, what went on that day, understand the sensitivity around Hillsborough and, you know, how the, how the, you know, the show for the feelings for the family and people who were at Willsbury who, who survived that on that horrific day almost 34 years ago. Anyway, we now move on to previewing the game against Leeds. So I think I'll come to you, Tom, on this one first. The big question I think that most Liverpool supporters will be asking in, in terms of the, the starting eleven against Leeds is, does Thiago start? Um, and if so, which one of the midfield would you leave out? And the second thing is, would you keep the, the, the front three the same? Or would you start with Nunes? And it'll be good to have Luis Diaz back as a, as an option. As Jürgen said last week, he'll probably be available for Leeds. So I take you would start Luis Diaz on the bench. But what would you do with regards to Thiago? I'd, I'd, keep, I'd start Thiago. I think you might see one of the other two have a rest less because they've had three games on the toss, as you say. I think you probably bring back Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. I know you're not a lover of Harvey, Harvey Elliott, but when you look around, or he might keep Curtis. But um, I think he'll definitely freshen it up. I don't think he'll go with. I don't think he'll go with Anderson and Fabinho for the third, for the fourth game on the trot. I'd be surprised if he'd done that. Maybe he might go with Milner, but I, I, I don't know. But I think he'll, he'll change the midfield. I think the midfield will, will, will sort of be totally different. I think up front, I, I would personally, I would personally, you know, it feels strange saying this, but I, th- I think I'd leave Jota out and bring in Nunes and start with Gabco and Sally. I think... Um, I, I just think I just think Nunes just gives you more, doesn't he? He's he he's more effective. He, he's more direct, and I think he's he's better suited to away away matches at the moment. I, I think with us with us having no creativity to sort of to, to play our own way, we're cutting teams apart. Sort of Nunes is has got to make his own sort of his own runs and sort of create his own chances. Whereas I think away from home, you know, like teams have got to sort of come out and beat it, especially Leeds. They're, they're now right, right down the bottom, aren't they, in free fall. So they've got to find a result from somewhere. So I think Nunes will be much better suited to, to the attack. I'd love to see Diaz, Luis Diaz get some minutes, even if he got 15, 20 minutes. It would just be great to see him back. I know I'm not expecting him to pull up trees, but it'll just be amazing to see him definitely start with Thiago because he gives you pace. Well, not actual pace, but what he gives you, as what Peter was talking about before, he moves the ball so much quicker than any other midfielder that we've got. So, yeah, I think that's what I will start with. Pete, Tom said there that he, he thought he thinks that Jürgen won't start Henderson and Fabinho again. 
and possibly jotted again because they played in the previous three games. But the fact there's a there's an eight day gap between the Arsenal game and the Leeds game, do you think that will sort of get Jurgen to think? Well, yeah, they could go again, you know, because they've had that they'll have had a, a period of rest. It's not as if we've got a midweek game; they've got a full week off now plus a day, so that will refresh them up. And what would your midfield be? Would you start Thiago? And if so, from the midfield yesterday, if he is the only midfield change that you would make, which one of the three wouldn't you start? I I probably think, as you say, they've got a eight-day break now. It's not like we've got a midweek game to interrupt us. I think he'd still start with Fabino and Hendo. And I do think if Thiago does stars, he'll come in at the expense of uh, cases, to be honest. <clears throat> there might be a shout also that Tom mentioned Elliot's not been featured in the last couple of games. He's actually on the pitch. He may he may look at bringing um, Harvey back as well. So he's, he's, he's starting to get a few more options now that he could choose. He might he might leave Endo on the bench and, and start with with um, start with Harvey Elliot and Thiago. And to be, you know, that's not a bad midfield. I feel I feel a bit sorry for Jota. I know he hasn't been scoring, but he created our first goal and he won the penalty for the second goal and he does put himself about Jota. So he might keep his place. Um, but saying that, Cody had a good game. I thought Cody Gakpo had a good game yesterday. I don't think he's ever going to leave Mo on the bench as he did at Chelsea for the Leeds game. So it's just a case of whether Nunes comes in for, for Cody. And I think he'd be unlucky to lose his spec. I mean, Bobby Firmino came on for the last 15, 20, and he was a revelation, wasn't he? So we're starting to get that strength back where we've got options all over the place now. Um, probably expect the back five, including the keepers, to stay the same. So, yeah, I think we're getting to that stage. And, and a bit like Tom said, I'd lo- I just want to see Diaz have a run out. It's been so long since we've seen him. And I think he's the nursing him in. They're not going to be do anything stupid and playing from the stars. I think he'll come on, and hopefully we'll have the game, the game won with the last twenty to go, and um, you know give him a run out for the last twenty just to get back into it. Because as I said in previous editions, you can be fit, but you could you then got to be match fit. And the only way that Diaz is going to get match fit is he's going to, you know, he's got to have to take tackles in tackles in training are the same as tackles on on match day. So, you know, just ease him in, maybe 20 minutes or so. But it's going to be a difficult game because Leeds, like Tom said, are right there in the midst of it. Um, I was amazed yesterday that she shipped five goals after going in front. But they've got to come on to us and that, that should allow us to that should allow us to break. And if Thiago's in from the stars, he can pick the passes out. And as I say, Cody Gakpo, if he starts, or whether it's him or Nunes, you should have the pace to get around the back of Leeds and create enough chances to win it, yeah? Yeah, uh, I agree with you, Pete, to be honest. I think with the eight-day break, I think Thiago will start against Leeds next Monday. And I also think Henderson and Fabinho will start. So I think that will be the midfield. And Curtis will miss out and, and take a place on the bench. You know, I also think that, that Louis Diaz will be on the bench and Jürgen will be hoping to give him, you know, 15, possibly 20 minutes in the second half. And I agree with Tom, I would start Nunes, probably give Jota a little bit of a rest and hopefully, you know, utilise Nunes' pace 
to get behind Leeds and, you know, create some chances. And if we get the first goal, you know, Leeds' confidence will be very, very brittle after what Crystal Palace did to them. So it's an opportunity for Liverpool to, you know, to, to get some confidence in their away performances. Leeds will come out of us fast, so it's important that we that we stand firm in the first maybe 15, 20 minutes and then after that impose ourselves on the game and let our extra quality you know, take over. And I just hope that we carry on with the same intensity that we showed in the last sort of 15 minutes or so of the first half and the whole of the second half yesterday and get that back. And once we get that back, you know, you'll, everybody will start to feel more confident again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that we can go to Leeds and come away with three points. Um, but we, we can't we can't drop back to the to the, the, the performances we've shown at the likes of away at Bournemouth. We've got to go in there, stamp our authority on the game and show our extra quality and, and class and, and show that the, the hour that we, we had the intensity with yesterday wasn't just a, a one-off. One thing that uh, you know, I will say is that you know, Leeds, Leeds shocked me yesterday when they went 1-0 up and they looked quite good for the first 20-25 minutes. And then Palace scored just before half-time and the wheels seemed to come off for Leeds. So hopefully we, we need to sort of carry on and sort of you know, keep, the, keep their... Stop them from getting any momentum and hopefully... You know that their confidence will, will be low. So over to you, Pete. Now for your for your double agents. Yeah, I've had a look through. It's difficult to be honest to find any going back pre sort of uh, Premier League. Um, obviously, seventies, sixties, late sixties, seventies. They were our biggest rivals, so there wasn't many or any players sort of you know moving between the clubs. So it's predominantly been in the Premier League era that they've moved. The obvious one for us at the minute is, is James Milner, who started his career out as a kid at Leeds. But looking through, there's a couple that I'd forgotten about, to be honest. Um, Jermaine Pennant's had a spell at Leeds, and he, he was also a double agent, if you want, for the Arsenal game. Um, Scott Carson as well is another one. Uh, probably our, two of our best ever strikers, in Ian Rush and Robbie Fowler had had, had uh, careers at Leeds, as did uh, Gary Mack, who won the league, I think, at Leeds when it was the final first division championship, and then it went into the Premier League. Um, and then Nick Barnby was another Leeds player. Um, and there's one player actually who was on Leeds books, but he never made an appearance for Leeds, and, and then he came up to Liverpool from Wimbledon. And that was John Scales. I didn't realise John Scales actually started his career at Leeds, but I don't think he ever made a first-team appearance. Uh, and then you've got others like, um, I nearly said Neil, and you've got um, Warner, who does a bit of punditry now. Um, Paul Jim Beglin, who broke his leg in that derby game, and he never really was the player after that, and he, he, he moved on to Leeds. And another player that we probably didn't get the best out of that we would hope we did was Harry Kuehl. Um, I was I was made up when Harry Kuehl joined Liverpool, but I, he had he had little cameos, but he he didn't really, you know, fulfil his potential. I think at Liverpool, um, and there's another one. He only I think he played only a couple of games, but it was a handful of games. Just Lee Peltier, 
and he was at Leeds United as well. So there's been quite a few in the Premier League era. But going back a bit further, it's more difficult. I'm sure there may have been some a long, long time back. But like most things, if you if you try and Google things, they only think that football started in 1990 or something, 1992. So it's more difficult to find some of the older ones. And uh, one of my favourites, I used to love him playing because he, he was, we used to have a good laugh, was Dominic Massey. Oh, um, yeah. I'm glad Dom's on the mend. He, he, he wasn't well, was he, a few years back? And he's come through that, Don. And I, I liked him. He was a good player, Don. But uh, he ended up at Leeds as well. So, yeah, there's been a few over the years. But when you look when you look at the team they could have had, with you know, when you've got Russian Fowler and Gary Mack, they've had some cracking players there. And um, as I say, we've still got we've still got James Milner, so we'll see how see how that goes next week. He might get a little run out and see how the, the crowd reacts to him. But he was sixteen, I think, when he played for Leeds first off. Yeah, a good list that Pete. Just thinking there about Harry Kewell. Harry Kewell was a bit like the Naby Keita, wasn't he? The, he suffered from injuries and was was missing more than he was available. And you know, had Harry not had so many injuries, I think he could have been a really, really top-quality player for Liverpool. And it's just really sad when when players like that, you know, you have so much expectation about, similar to when we signed Naby Keita, you know, injuries curtail that. And, um, yeah, really sad one. Just one more thing before we finish the pod today, lads. Uh, just a quick question for you. If Liverpool win every game between now and the end of the season, do we make top four? Yes or no, Tom? No, I don't think so, Les. Can, can I just say a quick thing about Dom, Dominic Matteo as well? He, he came out, used to turn out and, and, and walk with, you know, with, with the uh, walks from, you know, with Mike Wilson, with the Hillsborough walks. Every, every one we ever done, Dominic was always there, one of the main supporters of us. So, I'll get well done. Yeah. No, I don't think we'd get into the top four, Les. Pete? How about you? Do you think that you know, if we win every game between now and the end of the season, we might just squeeze into top four? I think we're relying on... I mean, we've got Spurs to come up to our place, so if we can beat, beat them, that's a good three points. Obviously, the top two are, are so on. It's either City or Arsenal, so they're going to be top two. And then you've got United, Newcastle, Tottenham. And I just think there's going to be too big a call. Look at the way Newcastle are, they were behind the Brentford, weren't they? And then they pulled it round and and then they went to West Ham and scored five. And I just think they're on a bit of a roll. And I think it's going to be a bridge too far this season for us. And I think it's like you say, we would have to win every game. And you don't know, maybe yesterday was a turning point and, and we're getting players back and we're going to have this, you know, really good final flourish to the season. But it may just be too little too late, to be honest. Yeah, I think as well we'll probably finish just short, even if we win every game between now and the end of the season. But that's got to be our goal. That's what we've got to do. We've got to go in now and attempt to win every game between now and the end of the season, get those points in the bag and then ultimately see where we finish at the end of it. Anyway, that's the end of the latest edition of the LFC Red Poets podcast. Just one thing before we go to tell you all all about We've got a special coming up this week about Hillsborough with Charlotte Hennessy. So until then, don't buy the sun. Justice for the 97 and you'll never walk alone. And we'll see you all next time. Thank you.